And guys, put your hands together. I just love being a part of what God is doing and seeing God work in people's lives. Um, I just have to also share uh, something that happened here this last week. Many of you know we've been praying for Hayden and Annalise and little Amos that's still in the womb and just need a little, needs a little God help in there to continue to recreate some of the problems that are going on. And you all just gave $20,000 to help them in this process. Come on, everybody. You all know that the finances and the, the difficulty in doing that, they're having to move to Houston for several months in this process. And so um, they were trying to figure out how they're going to move and where they're going to live. And you guys just answered that. Just, just a, you guys are an amazing body of believers. I'm just so grateful um, that we all get to be a part of this. Also, just a reminder, um, Los Andes um, has in the fundraiser coming up here in the beginning of April. So if you haven't already gotten your tickets, make sure you do that. There's a table out in the foyer. And as well, just in case it wasn't clear, there, it, it is a, um, a silent auction that happens on that day with amazing different things that you can be a part of and receive as you are giving. So make sure you get your tickets for that. All right, get your Bibles out if you would, please, and turn to the book of James. Um, it's in the end of your New Testament, after the book of Hebrews, before First and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, and Jude, and Revelation. So clear at the end. Last week we started a new series around here where we're going through the book of James, and I said this last week that James is probably one of the most practical books in your New Testament. It really is a how-to manual for the Christian life. And so last week, I kind of gave this overview of the book of James, because one of the central themes throughout all five of these chapters is God's desire for us to grow spiritually. And we looked at what that means and the practicalness of, of having kind of a litmus test of how, how we're doing in our spiritual walk. This morning, we're going to start here in the first chapter, and we're just going to look at the first six verses. And by the way, if you weren't here last week, I have these on the, the um, chairs again for you, uh, because this... There's so much in James that we're just not going to be able to get to in six weeks. And so my thought was, I want to put into your hands ways for you to kind of dive more into the book of James. And so this is just kind of a, a small group discussion. Uh, you'll see some of them are related exactly to what we're talking about on Sundays. But like this morning, we're only going through the first six verses of the first chapter. Next week, we'll be in chapter two. And so there's more discussions and more studies that you can do. So you can do this in, independently as an individual. Um, you can do it as a family together in your own home. You can do it with a group of people. Your existing um, small group might want to do that. And so I just want to make sure you get these, put them in your hands, and, uh, and pass them out if you want to do that. Because there's just so much jam-packed in the book of James. So if you have James chapter 1, we're going to look at the first six verses here this, this morning, and we're going to talk about how to actually profit from the problems that come into our life. It's interesting how James does this, because he actually talks about there's, there's a way that we can actually profit from our problems. So look at this in James chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, here in these verses, James, he's writing this letter to the Jewish Christian communities that are there in his region, and you would think in writing a letter that he would kind of ease into the subject that he wants to talk about. But oh no, not James. He gets right to it, and he drops this huge bombshell. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I, don't want you to kinda, I don't want you to think about this in, in terms of maybe your church brain, but I want you to think about this kind of in the natural. How would you like to get a letter that has you, that's been sent to you, and you open up this envelope, and it says, hey... Greetings to you, my friends. You have problems. You have difficulty. You have tragedy in your life. Fantastic. Be happy. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he's talking about here. That's exactly what he does here. And I don't know about how you are in this, but I look at this and I think, what in the world, James? You don't know my situation. You don't know the problem that I'm facing. How in the world can I be happy in the middle? As I think every single one of us would respond that way. But the key really is in verse 3 when it says, because you know. Because you know. Say those three words with me. Because you know. Then he says that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Everybody your attitude is determined by your understanding. Think about that. Your attitude is determined by your understanding. And so that's why rejoicing is not just this kind of feel-good thing or just positive thinking. In order for us to really rejoice, then it's got to be based upon some real, real true facts of life. And so what James does, he gives us four really important facts of life that we need to understand. And let me suggest to you, that whatever problem you're facing today, this is written for you. So as you're facing problems so you can know what to do, and here are these four facts that these guys are really important for us to understand because, again, your attitude is determined by your understanding. So the first one he says is that problems are inevitable. Problems, are, they're inevitable. Again, in verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. If you're taking notes, underline the word whenever. Because I want you to notice it doesn't say if you encounter problems, consider it pure joy. What does he say? He says, whenever, whenever you encounter problems, in other words, you can count on it, everybody. You're going to have problems. And I hate to maybe be the bearer of bad news for you here today, but that's the reality. If you're not having problems, check your pulse. <laughs> because problems are a fact of life. They're inevitable. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself said this. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 4 verse 12. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Everybody, problems aren't an elective course in life. They are a required course that every single one of us are going to go through. You are not immune. Whether you're a man or a woman or a young person or an old person, whether you're rich or poor, every single one of us will face problems here in this life. It's inevitable, and that's what James, James said. You're going to have problems in this life. And the second fact he gives us is, number two, problems are unpredictable. 
They're unpredictable. Again, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That word face, in the original Greek language that this was written in, is the word peripipto, which literally means to fall into unexpectedly. It's the same word that was used, if you know the story of the Good Samaritan, when the man fell in among uh, these thieves. In other words, it's unexpected. And that's what trials are. That's what difficulty is. That's what problems are. That's what tragedies are. They're not planned. Most of the time, we can't anticipate the problems that we're going to face in life. I mean, you don't plan to have a flat tire, right? I mean, you don't plan to fail a class. You don't plan to get sick. You don't plan to lose a loved one. You don't plan to lose your job. Problems, are un, they're unplanned, they're unpredictable. They, they really happen at the, the, the worst times in life. They happen when we least expect them, and that's why they're a problem. You, you with me? And that's what he's talking about here. Have you ever heard of the, the guy who was um, riding the New York subway for the first time? He, he's riding the subway for the very first time, and, and the movement of the subway causes him to get extremely motion sick. And so when the subway finally stops and the door opens, he vomits on the first man standing in line to get into the subway. But here's the thing. The doors close, and the train moves on down the track. And there's that guy covered with vomit going, what in the world just happened? Why me? I think it's a picture of what James is talking about here, that they're just unexpected, and, they're, and we are then left with this question of why. Why me? What's going on here? And the third thing he describes is that problems come in many kinds. Again, verse 2 says, Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That word that the, in the original Greek for many kinds is the word poikilos, which means multicolored. I brought just a, um, a color swatch here, a booklet here. Because this is what he's talking about here, this idea of multicolored. There are so many different colors. Have you ever tried to match colors in your house? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Because there's so many different shades of green that you're trying to have to match. Well, that's what James is talking about here. The problems are like this. And they come in all sorts of shades and varieties in our life. They vary in intensity. They vary in duration. Some problems and difficulties are minor inconveniences, and others are just major crises. They just come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And then the fourth thing he describes is that problems are purposeful. And now we start getting into the meat of what he's describing here, because he begins to tell us something. There's something really important for us to understand, and that problems are purposeful. Look at verse 3, because he says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now look at what James is describing here. Because James is saying that God will actually use the problems in your life for a purpose. And the first thing that God will use problems in your life for are, number one, problems purify my faith. Problems actually purify your faith. Again, verse 3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That word testing is in reference to the purification or purifying gold and silver. And so to purify gold and silver, what has to happen? You have to turn up the heat on it. And you turn on the heat of it to extreme temperatures 
so that the impurities, the dross, is then burned off. Job said it this way in Job 23, verse 10. He says, he has tested me through the refining fire, and I have come out as pure gold. And so James says, when the first thing you need to understand about God's purpose in difficulties and trials is that they will actually test your faith. They'll purify your faith. In other words, it's through trials and difficulties that we go through that it really exposes what's in us. It is so easy just to kind of go through life and think all is well, and I, I'm okay, and you're okay, and I believe this, and I believe that. But what happens is that, that trials, difficulties, problems that we face actually exposes what is actually in us. That's why your faith actually develops and grows when things don't go as, as you think they should go. Your faith actually develops and grows when you don't feel like doing what is right. And it's been a proven fact throughout the last 2,000 years, listen to me everybody, that persecution actually causes the church of Jesus Christ to grow and increase. Because this is really what, what happens. Our faith is actually proven. You have a gun put to your head, and the question is, what do you believe? Now all of a sudden, it gets real, right? What's been proven also is that when things are easy for the church, it's on a downward slide. The church actually doesn't grow through prosperity. And it's, it's just kind of interesting because this is what James is talking about. Is that actually your difficulties, the trials, the, the, all the, the problems that you face and go through are actually really good because it will purify your faith. It will actually show you what you believe and what you're just thinking you, you believe. If you've heard the statement that a lot of times Christians are, 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 are referred to as like, like tea bags. And you don't really know what's in them until you drop them in hot water. And as soon as you get dropped in hot water, then what's in that tea bag then becomes exposed, becomes known. And the second thing that God uses problems in my life for, James says, is that problems fortify my patience. Problems actually fortify my patience. Verse 3, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And when James is talking about here, he's not, just talk, well, he's not just talking about this passive patience. He's talking about this staying power. It's an endurance. In other words, it's this keeping on, keeping on sort of thing. It's the ability to hang in there. The word that's used here in the original Greek language is the word hupomanone, which literally means the ability to stay under pressure. The ability to stay steady, to stay consistent no matter what comes your way. That's what he's talking about here. And I just find this so interesting, especially in our culture today. Because I don't know how it is for you, but I think most of us, we just don't like pressure. We don't like problems. We don't like difficulties. As a matter of fact, we'll do everything we can to avoid it. We'll run from it. We'll take drugs in order to block it out. We'll drink alcohol in order to dull it. We'll go to Disneyland, everybody, to pretend like it's just not there. We'll do almost everything we can to get away from pressure and difficulty. Because why? We don't like it. We don't like it. We, we, want to, we want to get it out of our life just as soon as possible. But we said, I said this last week, how do you actually learn patience? I mean, do you learn patience when everything is going your way? No, we learn patience by driving on Highway 71, everybody. We learn patience by standing in the lines at HEB. We learn patience through the waiting times of life. And that's what he's talking about here. And then the third thing that God uses problems in my life for are that problems actually sanctify my character. 
problems actually sanctify my character. Verse 4 says, perseverance must finish its work so that what? Look what it says. You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, this is really important to understand because I think so many of us will get confused of what God is doing in our life. But notice here that God's long-range goal, his purpose in your life, is actually to cause you to be more spiritually mature, to cause you to grow up, to mature. In the Christian life, character is the bottom line. And so that's why when I, I mean, I've talked with so many different Christians you know, over the years, and so I think so many people have absolutely no idea what God's agenda is in their life. They don't understand what's happening. And so when problems occur, when difficulties start happening in your life, the pressure starts getting turned, turned on, all of a sudden they freak out. God, where are you in all of this? And we get overwhelmed by our problems. But listen to everybody. God's number one purpose in your life is to make you more like Jesus Christ. This is what he's doing. He's working inside of you, which means God is much more interested in, in building my character than making me comfortable. God's much more interested in building your character, everybody, than in just making you comfortable. And I think this one's a hard one for us to get because why? We want to feel good. I want everything to go my way. That's why. That's why history has proven the church actually grows under persecution and difficulty and not through prosperity and success. Because we just want what we want, but nothing really goes deep inside of us. It's through difficulty, it's through problems that you really begin to figure, what am I going to believe? What am I going to trust in? Who am I going to trust in in this? Because my world is all messed up. Things are falling. So what am I going to stand hold? What am I going to hold on to in the middle of, of this? And I think so many Christians, they freak out when this happens. Because it's like when, a lot of times when, it when we come to Christ, it's like we kind of have this honeymoon period and everything's fantastic and wonderful. But then all of a sudden problems hit. And all of a sudden we're thinking, well, God, where'd you go? I thought, I thought you promised me a rose garden. I thought life was going to be perfect after all of this. And so now when I'm, I'm walking through trouble, I'm walking through difficulty, God, where are you? Do you not love me anymore? Have you forsaken me? And I'm, am I not really saved? I'm not really a Christian? Have I, have I missed the boat? No. You're exactly where God wants you to be. You're in his character course. And you're right on track. God is making you more and more like Jesus. And he's exposing what's actually in your heart. The Apostle Paul, he said it this way. In Romans 8, verse 28, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This is an amazing verse, but I need to tell you what it doesn't mean because so many people misunderstand even this verse that's so powerful. So I want you to notice what it doesn't mean. Notice it doesn't say that, that all things are good. Look at it. It doesn't say that all things are good, does it? I think so many of us, we kind of have this idea, we've got to suck it up when bad things happen, because this bad thing is actually good for me. It kind of reminds me of my mom telling me I need to eat my spinach and my broccoli because it's good for me. I hate it, I dislike it, but I've got to somehow embrace it because it's good for me. That's not what he's saying. Not all things are good for us. And I want you to also notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that God is the one who's bringing those bad things in your life to teach you a lesson. I can't tell you how many times I hear this over and over and over and over where we all of a sudden blame God and point to God that he's the one who's done this. 
He's the one who's brought cancer in this situation. He's the one who's bringing war in this country. He's the one who took your loved one to heaven because, after all, he needed that person in heaven with him. Listen, everybody. If you, as a, if all you parents, think, think about this. If you, if you parents treated your kids this way, you'd be hauled off into prison because that's abuse. But yet somehow we can go through life, and this is what's crazy to me, you can go through life and never give God attention at all until something bad happens and you blame him. We blame him for thinking he's doing it to us to somehow teach us a lesson. Let me tell you something. That is not what is being said here at all in this verse or in all scripture. Look at this, what it says. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, look what he's saying here, everybody. This is really important. Because it says that God will, in all things, everything that comes into your life, that he'll work in those things for your good. This is really important for us to understand because this is the amazing thing about having God on your side. Because God, this means that you're not going to just be a victim of what happens in this life. Because, listen, everybody, this is not heaven. There's nothing perfect about this world. We haven't stepped in. You don't step into heaven even when you make a decision to follow Jesus. We're still in this world, and this world is far from heaven. That's why Jesus said when we pray, we're to pray that the reality of the kingdom of heaven come here to this earth. Why do we have to pray that? Because it's not here on this earth. And so we're praying for the reality of the kingdom of heaven to be here, but this is not heaven. That's why Jesus said you're going to have difficulty. And so if, we don't, if you don't understand what's going on here, then, then life just becomes, you're just victimized. You're constantly being a victim, being tossed to and fro by whatever life throws you. But this is what, where it changes. This is the incredible promise of God where he says, know that in the things that happen to you in life, I'll do something amazing that will cause you not to no longer be a victim. Because God says, I will actually work in that situation that you're facing, and I'll do something impossible. I'll turn that bad thing into something good for your life. He'll actually turn things, the Bible describes that, that what the devil intended for harm or destruction, that it'll turn, turn for your good. This is, this is the God. But I want you to notice something. This is not for everybody. This isn't for everybody. Because he says right specifically that we know in all things that God works for the good of who? Those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. If nothing else, everybody, this is one of the major reasons you want to have Jesus in your life. Because he's on your side, and he works in the middle of those types of things. And I also want you to notice this. It's a promise. It's a promise from God to you that in all things that you go through, he'll turn it and cause something good to come out of it, which means this. If what you're going through, if you still don't see good, wait. Because God's not finished yet, everybody. There's still good coming because it is his promise. And the secret to Romans 8.28 is actually the next verse, Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. The reason why all things work together for our good is because God is working in your life and in my life to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. And so James says... You have to understand, these are the things you need to understand in order to face the problems. Remember, your attitude is determined based upon your understanding. And so he says, these are the things you need to understand when problems come your way. But he doesn't stop there. 
Because he actually instructs us, okay, then what do we do? When you face problems, what are we to do? And the first thing he says to do when problems come into our lives is we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. Verse 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying here, because he's not saying fake it. He's not saying pretend. He's not saying put on a plastic smile. He's not saying be a Pollyanna. That's not what he's saying here in this verse. Listen, God, everybody, God never asks us to deny reality. God never asks us to deny reality. He's not telling us to pump ourselves up with some sort of psychological mumbo-jumbo. That's not what he's saying here. And he's also not telling us, he's also not, he's also not talking about masochism, where we say, fantastic, I have a problem. I have tragedy in my life. I have all these issues happening. Isn't that wonderful? I feel so spiritual because bad things are happening in my life. He's not talking about masochism, everybody. That's not what he's talking about. I think one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is actually 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many people read this verse and think that it says, For everything give thanks. And so it's almost like this pressure, this manipulation that whatever you're going through, you've got you to give thanks for that. Listen, talk about just strange and getting weird because why in the world would we, are we supposed to thank God for cancer that's invading your body? What do we think? Why are we supposed to thank God for war? Why are we supposed to thank God for, for tragedy? That's not, what, that's not what God is doing. I mean, what kind of God do you think he is? Don't ever forget there's an enemy to your soul who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And he is the one who's working that damage and those junk into your life to get you derailed and to really destroy your life. So why in the world are we supposed to thank God for evil? That's not what it says here. It says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. See, we're not just thank God for everything. That doesn't make sense. We're to thank God in everything. Why? Why? In the middle, why are we supposed to thank God in that? Because... God is the one who can take even the bad, the horrible, the difficult things in our life and turn it around and make it good in our life. But I want you to notice this last thing here, what James says, because he says it's a choice. He says it's a choice. James 1, again, says, consider it pure joy. That word consider means to take a deliberate look at, to evaluate, to make up your mind once and for all. In other words, I can't control the circumstances that happen in my life but I sure can control how I respond to them. Did you hear me? We can't control what happens around us, but you can control. You have a choice of how to respond to what happens to you. I love this quote from Viktor Frankl, who was a Jewish psychologist that was put into one of the German Nazi concentration camps in Germany. He said this. He said, they stripped me naked. They took everything, my wedding ring, watch. I stood there naked and all of a sudden realized at that moment that although they could take everything away from me, my wife, my family, my possessions, they could not take away my freedom to choose how I was going to respond. What a powerful statement, right? I would suggest to you that probably none of us in this room have experienced that type of trauma. But yet in the middle of it, he said, I, I realize they can't control this. You can't control what happens around you, but you can control your response here. And so James says, choose to rejoice. In the middle of what you're going through, choose to rejoice. And then the second thing that James tells us to do is request. So rejoice, request, or in other words, to pray. 
Verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. See, when we're in the midst of the problems, when, whatever you're facing, whatever difficulty you're facing, one of the most important things you can ever do is to pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. You know why? Because number one, so you don't miss or waste the opportunity to grow. Remember, one of God's things is that he's going to work in all things, and he's working in spiritual maturity. He's working for us to grow and become more and more like Jesus. And so no matter what situation you're facing, there's opportunity to grow. And here's, here's, here's my thinking. Um, I don't want to go, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to, I don't want to fail here and then have to go around the mountain again and, 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 and have, to, have to walk through this another. I, I want to learn now, everybody. I want to learn now. I want to grow now. I want my faith to grow now in, in this because I know God is faithful. He's going to continue to work that in us and work those things out of us. And so I want to work with him. And also the reason why we should pray for wisdom is so that you don't become overwhelmed. So you don't become overwhelmed when you don't understand what God is doing. Because what wisdom is, wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Because here's what problems and trials and tragedies do in your life. All of a sudden, your world becomes, and you can't see anything. I mean, the fog that we have here in the hill country is nothing compared to problems and difficulties and tragedies that you go through. But it's that type of thing. You can't see in front. You can't see behind. You can't see around you. And all of a sudden, you have no perspective. You can barely breathe. You can barely know what step you're supposed to take. And so pray for wisdom. Because what wisdom does, it kind of lifts you above that problem and difficulty, that challenge that you're facing, and you now see things from a different perspective. That's what wisdom does. And then the third thing that James tells us to do when problems come is just relax. Relax. Verse 6, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. In other words, when you're where you're in the middle of a problem, when you're in the middle of a challenge, when you're in the middle of difficulty, when you're in the middle of tragedy and things that just don't make sense, relax, everybody. You just take a deep breath in. Relax. Let God work. He is faithful. Let him work. Trust God that he knows what is best for your life and that he is working even though you cannot see it. When you can't see his hand moving, when you can't understand what he's doing, trust his heart. He's for you. He's not against you. And cooperate with his purpose. One of the things I've learned a long time ago is that you can either cooperate with him and he'll move you through those difficult situations or you, we can actually work against him, causing more damage and more confusion, and you get just stuck for longer and longer and longer in that crisis or the difficulty that you're, that you're in. Relax. Trust him. Choose to trust him. Some of you, you're in some really, really difficult problems and challenges that you're facing right now. And this message is for you. James is speaking right into your situation. Others of you, life's great. But let me suggest to you, Put it into your pockets. Add it in to your spiritual walk because you will face trouble. You will face problems and challenges, and he helps us navigate through this. Would I want you to close your eyes, if you would, please? Because I want you to just kind of bring that wherever you are in this. Maybe there's some people on your heart that are going through some difficulties, some challenges, and maybe you're, you're right 
in that. Would you just take a moment here and just bring God into those situations? Father, I know that there are people even here in this room today who are facing all sorts of needs and problems, all sorts of difficulties and challenges. There are those here, Father, who've had even a very discouraging week this week. Some have been living with persistent problems that have been carrying on for days and days and weeks and weeks, even for years and years, and it just seems like there's no relief. And so, Father, I know it's so easy in the midst of difficulty to not see clearly, to really question where we are in the midst of those difficulties and, and to cry out just as the disciples did in that boat in the middle of that storm and say, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? Don't you know? Don't you see what's happening to me? But God, I know you look at us with eyes of love and you speak to that wind and you speak to those waves and just like those winds and waves obeyed the voice of Jesus over 2,000 years ago, the wind and waves still know your name. And so, Father, I pray for every single one of us to have a revelation of seeing you in the midst of the storm that we're in. Father, give each one here wisdom to understand the big picture, to understand what it is that you're doing, what's happening around them. Father, help everyone here to learn how to really step into the profit that you have, that you want to give us in the problems that we face, to grow in the midst of these difficulties and to allow you to actually bring good, to actually bring good into our lives in these difficult situations. Remember James James says, choose, choose, consider it pure joy. In other words, you can't control the circumstances. You can't control the past. You can't control the future, but you can control right now, right here in this moment. You can control how you're going to respond. We're going to take communion here together. and The worship team is just going to lead us in, I think, one of my, my favorite songs. But the words are this choice to choose, in the middle of the storm, to choose your response in it. Jesus described that when we gather together, we're to remember, and I always think it's, a, it's again, a choice to bring Jesus into the midst of what it is that you're doing, to remake that, com that commitment, that affirmation, that dedication, God, I'm going to trust you. Jesus, I'm going to trust you in the middle of this. And maybe you've never asked Jesus to really rule and reign in your life. Let me suggest to you, everybody, make the decision now. Now. Invite him in. Let him take control. Because his promise then is that he's going to enter into your situations. You're not going to ever be alone again. And so we're going to take communion here together. We have two tables set up here in the front. And how we just do this around here is that we start in the front row. We kind of go backwards and we'll exit in the middle of the row. Come in and you'll take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and then circle back around. We have our ministry teams that are going to be here on the side. They're here to minister to you, to pray and to release the reality of heaven in your life. If you want to grab one of them and say, I need you to pray for me, you can do that. They're going to might put their hands on you as you pass by because they want to release 
just the presence of God into your situation. So if you would stand up on your feet, if you would, please. Let's do it here together. In Psalms 42, says, as, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? For my tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? But these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. With shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. So, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're facing a difficulty, when you're facing a tragedy, when you're facing a problem, some sort of difficult situation, you know, sometimes all you can do is just make a choice. I choose. I choose. I can't tell you how many times I'll put this song, you know, in my, my car, in my room, and I'll just let it go over and over. I choose to put my hope. I choose to put my trust. And some of you, that's where you are. You can't see straight. It doesn't make sense. And you feel just stuck. Where is God in all of this? But yet, this is the decision you make. It's your choice. It's your choice. I choose. I choose to put my hope. I choose to put my trust. God, I know you're not done yet. I have no idea what you're going to do. There's no good at all, but I know you're not done yet. So I hold on, and I put my hope, my trust in in you. If you would, I want you to just grab a hold of the person's hand beside you. Come on, just grab a hold of somebody here. Would you do this just for a minute here? I'm going to speak blessing over you in just a second, but would you do that with the people around you? Come on, with your own voice, just right now. Just bless them. Just pray for them. Whatever they're going through, that they would encounter God in that situation, that they, that they would have clarity in what they're supposed to do, those decisions they need to make. Father, we pray for the people around us, that your light, that wisdom would come into the middle of the situations that they're facing right now. That God, just as, the, as your sun shines bright on those cloudy and those fog-filled days and causes all of a sudden to break through. Lord, would you break through the fog in those situations right now? 
but we thank you for your will being done. And we pray your will be done in their lives. As it is in heaven, let it happen right here in this earth. Lord, that even this week, they would get an answer. That even this week, they would see clearly. Father, we pray for that breakthrough. And that all the other things around them would just kind of fade away. As your presence, as you rule and work in their lives. And so, Father... We speak blessing, and we release your blessing on the people on the left, on the right, in front of us and behind us, that, God, that you would cause, cause revelation and truth to work in their lives in greater and greater dimensions. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. God bless you. Our ministry teams are going to stay forward here to pray with you. If this is your first time, we have a welcome party here in five minutes. just right at the top of the ramp. We'll see you in a little bit. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week.